Welcome to episode 141 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. It was a jolly good time in merry old London this past Sunday for All In at Wembley. The card was pretty stacked, and I would have to say, this show did deliver. There was a lot of fun spots. There were some cameos, some swerves, some great storytelling. Last week, we did the prediction show where we try to book the show as you know as tight as possible to become King Booker. So if you want to run back and uh, listen to that one before this one, go check it out. But if you're already caught up, we're going to recap the show and see who became King Booker. So we got a lot to get to tonight, so we're just going to get right into it. But before we do, we need to introduce the fellas real quick. He's over in Glendale. He's a man that keeps it regal. Steve Grobschmidt. What up, Grabby? Gary, you're from Ohio. You're an egg-sucking dog. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Steve, I can't believe you. (laughs) Uh, Nice little friendly rivalry. I like it. Um, You know, I'm just interested to see the results of the the, um, prediction show. Um, Right. I have an on good authority that uh, so long as they booked it right, uh, I'm going to win. <laughs> yeah. That's well, right. <laughs> Speaking of big sucking dogs, you were sucking, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Well, since you heard his voice already, let's switch up the order a little bit. He's let's over in Ohio. Over <laughs> He's the man with the golden pipes, and his name is Gary Williams. What up, Gary? <laughs> Here comes the axe, and here comes the smasher, the demolition, the walking disaster, pain and destruction are our middle names. I had a big, <laughs> as the old homage to our friends, uh, Axe and Smash from Demolition this Thanks week. Thanks for listening. Yes, and uh, it was good. It was good. I appreciate you, Axe and Smash, for always listening to us. Uh, but yeah, I felt a little, uh, felt a little tagged after this, you know, all in. I felt like a little tag team kind of, kind of theme going on right now because there were a lot of really good man tag team tag matches. matches. Yeah. yeah, and so uh, one of my favorites from all time uh, was Demolition. So I thought I brought brought that out one for you all. Besides Ultimate Warrior, my favorite entrance music from the 80s. Mm-hmm. That was good. Demolition. Yeah. I I would say th- that in terms of, yes, in terms of the, the, the music that was created by, um, by a wrestling association, very, very good. Um, I still think uh, we could probably do, talk about another cool episode is the music of professional wrestling. But when they, when the Road Warriors first started and they came out to Iron Man, mm-hmm. whoa, that was like. That was the era when that's, that was kind of. Yeah. 
it was badass so uh but yeah but you're right though matt i loved that loved it big time yeah and they made the arcade game of the wrestling arcade game Mm -hmm. like uh i think they're like the only take team that made it if i remember correctly don't quote me on that but yeah one of those early ones i think you're right yeah like i can't i can picture it yeah that that yeah so and it's like the coolest wrestling arcade game for sure. Mm-hmm. I remember going to Fuddruckers just begging my dad for quarters <laughs> just to keep playing that thing. Oh, but he yeah. would never, he would, I would get like 50 cents and that'd be it. So I would pretend to like play the the previews and shit like that. Was, <laughs> That's great. I don't know. I don't know if we had any money growing up, but you know, we were rich in spirit. That's right. Anywho, let's go to Bayview. He likes to keep it freshly squeezed. His name, Matt Michelson. What up, Matt? Mm-hmm. I can name that tune in three notes. Well, that's unfortunate because I don't even think there are three <laughs> notes in that tune. Anybody have any clue whose entrance music that is? I think no. I think Mike should guess. I don't know. I feel very relaxed, though. It's very meditative. It is. Well, it is until you find out that it's Don Callis's theme song. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's why I said Mike should guess, because I'm like, it really was uh, it, it really was his best friend from Japan. Who no, I thought didn't... that of all people on the podcast, I'd be the one doing Don Callis's music as an intro. You've come someday. a long way. You've come a long way. If if it were only maybe next week you can pull out a little Jeff Jarrett, then you will oh. have really He's you'll done have it. Ri- really risen. It's happened. He did it. It's somewhere he in the archives. He did it like a couple weeks ago. And I know I've done Val Venus quite a bit. That's a given. But yes, Jeff Jarrett's mixed in there somewhere. Well, I'm glad you're turning the corner on that, Matt, especially since you're going to be a new dad pretty soon. You want your twins to look up to you as a respectable father figure, and you can't be hating on Don Callis. That's no. true. Well, I Uncle need them Don. to fear me, too. And Don Callis is a man to be feared. So I'm learning from the best. Word up. Absolutely. Yeah, well, boys, it it happened Sunday, eleven o'clock central here. I don't know what it is over by you, Gary. Is it noon? Is there an hour apart? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yep, zero hour started at noon. Man, so I know me, Gary, and Charlie watched it live. Uh, Matt and Steve, I think, got a little bit of the delay, but I mean, we were texting back and forth. I really love a major pay-per-view in the middle of the day it was so fun yeah. um yeah had a couple beers i had a fantasy draft going on uh gino nap for almost two hours so i got a good chunk of it it was great so top to bottom i really really enjoyed this card so let's run down some of the picks real quick we got to oh, yeah. get to the pre-show and that was between mjf adam cole versus aussie open for the ring of honor uh, tag team championships. That's what opened the show. I honestly didn't get my shit together to see it, but I did see MJF and Adam Cole become victorious right at the end. I didn't even see the match, uh, but Gary was the only one that predicted that. So big ups to Gary starting off strong over the gates. That must have gotten you hard, eh, buddy? Oh, <laughs> Triple H. It was Triple H all all happening for me uh yeah no i was pretty pretty pumped i thought i did i i do have to now that i've you know thought about everything and uh 
I do kind of feel bad for Aussie Open because I do feel like they maybe got caught in a shuffle of um, of a booking decision. And I hope for their sakes, I feel like they're over. Um, mm-hmm. This is, but this is always one of those things where I always get get a little nervous because I don't. AEW has this tendency at, at moments to whether it's intentional or unintentionally bury people when they kind of move out of things. And so I, I was, I think we've talked about this. I feared that with bullet club gold, I was not, that did not happen. I'm hoping maybe with more will Osprey that this really ignites that group a little bit more to some degree, but I do hope um, they're a great tag team. And I hope that they, they are, that this is just a little blip on the radar screen. Yeah, they'll be back. I mean, it happens all the time in wrestling on the come up. I'm sure they were like, you know, we're wrestling the main event guys. So that's that's a pretty big honor. Everybody's going to be wanting to see us. So I'm sure they're cool with it, right? I would hope so. I hope so. I mean, they'll you be know. back. They're organically over, like I think Gary said. Um, I think their mu- their entrance, like the ch- crowd chants along with it. And they're a really mm-hmm. good team. I mean, I, I don't think I said this on the episode. I think I said this on our text thread. But who's the uh, bigger guy in the group? Is his name Mark something? I can't remember. Yeah. Davis. Yeah, I love that guy. No, I think his name's like, Kevin. I'm just kidding. Kevin. Nice. Kevin <laughs> Davis. Uh, thanks for listening, Kev. Big Kev, as I call him. Big Kev. Um, no, the but big, I love the big D. The big D. Yeah. Um, I love that guy because you know it actually reminded me when we were talking about I think Adrian Adonis and some of those mm. bigger guys that fly around like a million bucks for um, you know, like like when they're putting other people over. Yeah. Um, Davis for a big guy, man, he gets into it and he goes flying mm. and he like I, I don't know, I just I think the the Brody King esque. Yeah. I love it. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. I hope that uh, they're not just victims of a, you know, hot storyline and that they actually have some longevity. I think they will. They're too good not to. Yeah. And one thing we need to consider is Ring of Honor has an entire roster all to themselves that mm-hmm. I feel like we don't have a ton of exposure to. So it's very possible that Aussie Open have something else lined up. Now, Gary, I know you mentioned, you know, sometimes AEW ends up sacrificing a team or you know, you mentioned burying a team and I don't necessarily think they were buried here in this case, but I get what you mean. It's like, you know, they kind of have to step aside for this MJF Adam Cole storyline to keep moving. And I think given how over MJF and Adam Cole are right now, which we'll get to later in the show, I don't think it was a bad move on AEW's part. No. And and again, if the roster allows for it and they have some good storytelling planned for ring of honor, those guys will be in great shape. They're a great team anyway. Kind of like you guys said, and it just makes you, almost dream, you know, book dream tag team matches. Like just imagine like Kevin Davis and George, the hammer Valentine, like <laughs> phenomenal tag team. Shout out to those guys. Friends All time. greats. All time. greats. Well, th- I will say, I do hope that this now provides an opportunity for the kingdom to kind of come together again. And, you know, because I, I know the kingdom has a long standing, um, history in ROH and so I'm hoping that maybe this is a way to insert them into this um, and continue it kind of you know in some similar vein to the bloodline kind of whole shtick that's been going on in WWE you know just this consistent resurgence of friends and enemies and reinserting and in and out um, would be kind of cool to see what that might look like too 
Totally. All right. Well, there was one more match on the pre-show, and that was between Hook and Jack Perry for the FTR. Is that? No, it's not FTR. Yeah. My bad. It's FTW. Oh, yeah. Uh, championship. FTW rules match, too. So it was kind of like a street fight. So uh, pretty good stuff here, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we all picked Hook to win. We were all correct in that. Uh, these guys really gave each gave it to each other uh, on the ramp on a on a limo or a car or something like that. Mm. I remember some good spots. I mean, showed some toughness out of both those guys. I remember uh, Jungle Boy doing like a leaping somersault onto Hook when he was laid on the uh, hood of the car. That was pretty tight. But overall, yeah, for this match lasted eight minutes and twenty seconds. I thought this one did its job and hook looked really good. They both look really good. I like this match. It was nice. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like this card was pretty heavily loaded with matches with no rules or no disqualifications. And I had surprisingly no problem with it. And I know I've talked recently about not being burnt out, but just being kind of overloaded with either blood or no DQs or chair shots or weapons matches in AEW. But I think if there was a show to do it on, this was the show, just given the size of it, the magnitude, the historical significance, all those things. So, yeah, I totally agree with Mike. Yeah, and I think that uh, I think part of what made that work to me is that they seem to be, you know, they had a lot of those matches, but there didn't seem to be a lot of redundancy. It seems like each match kind of found a way to make itself unique, which is uh, mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. That's how you should do it. You know, it's if you're going to have that many. Stipulous, yeah. Yeah. And- and uh, UK wrestling has always been known as hard hitting. I mean, when you think about Gunther and and um, NXT UK and you know Pete Mustache Dunn, and Mountain those, and all yeah, that. and those guys. I mean, the the, the UK fan does not uh, does not take to tons of high spots. And I I don't I I don't know if you noticed, uh, but I noticed throughout the card there wasn't as many of those. There were still with some of the usual suspects, but in general, it was a lot of just beat the crap out of you kind of wrestling. And that is a really strong um, calling card of of UK wrestling. Yeah, they like chain wrestling and violence. Mm-hmm. They're sick puppies over there, but they yeah. do appreciate the finer things in life. They're Very well, fine. Johnny Saint would have been proud. Mm hmm. <laughs> Yeah, they're a lot like uh, a Puerto Rican crowd in that regard. Where I mean, and you know that that is another group um, that you know loves their blood and guts, and um, but uh, they uh, they definitely I felt like the uh, the matches, which led leads us into you know just kind of summarizing Hook and 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 uh, Jack Perry. Uh, I hope that this is the end of that feud to some degree and that we see uh, some sort of new angle for, for Jack. Um, I, I definitely feel like uh, it's time for him to continue to go. Although the irony is he tapped out to hook, which yeah, in my mind, isn't exactly stellar on your resume, but uh, in the same token, he has been doing a much better job. His promos have gotten better in terms of some of his work over the last couple of weeks, especially. This is like batting practice for a title run. Cause it's not a real title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, you're right, Steve. That might that might have been a way for them to test just how over he could be uh, in one way or the other. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I think that there's some there's a lot of merit to what you just said. Yeah, I think he's been doing really good in the petri dish for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm he. I'd never really thought how I would respond when he would eventually turn heel. I mean, it had to happen. For his career, and I think he's doing well. I don't think he's doing a bad job. So, yes, mm-hmm. I am interested in his story going forward. Mm-hmm. All right, let's start the show for All In at Wembley. Uh, we pick the first match on King Booker on Keep the Kayfabe. Uh, in order to get that perfect card, none of us picked this match to yeah. lead off. I was actually extremely surprised. So, wah, wah, we don't have a perfect card this uh, uh This. Uh, edition of Keep the Kayfabe King Booker, but it's still fun. Um, we're always in search of that perfect card. We'll get it someday. But it was CM Punk leading off the show versus Samoa Joe. We did have a stipulation in there how long this match would actually go. And there was a young man on this show that got it dead nuts on the nosy. 14 minutes, Matt Michelson. Holy Damn cow, it. guy. So we're going to give you an extra point for that. We're not going to we're not going to count the time thing as a loss. We're just going to get it as extra credit. And Matt got it. So congrats on that, buddy. Good job, Matt. And we were unanimous in deciding that CM Punk would win this. Um, He did. And like I said, uh, I, I just, I'm not even impressed with Punk's wrestling at this point. Nor was I really ever. I don't think the punches are great. I don't think the moves are great. I mean, what about this match know. though? Are you, are you including this match? Yeah, I'm, I I I thought it was kind of lazy. As mm. for the opener, mm. that's in my opinion though. For an opening match at Wembley, I didn't think it was outstanding. Mm. When you could have led with something else great in here. Uh, that's just my opinion. I'm just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too down on them. Am I wrong here? Uh, I understand what you mean. I I think AEW in the past has always had the first match be super high-paced, almost like a cocaine match, just to get the crowd all fired up, right? And this match was not that. I don't think it was super high-paced by any means. But, man, the crowd, they would have popped for mm. anything at this point. And it's funny because when the show started – and Joe's music hit and I realized, oh, Punk Joe is the first match. I almost kind of smacked myself in the head like, well, yeah, no shit. This is like the perfect opening match. It's, you know, if you had to pick one from this card, it makes all the sense in the world. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I get what you mean. Punk's wrestling is not where it used to be. I The guy's getting older. Um, and at the, But at the same time, Joe physically is not where he was you know a year ago two years ago five years ago even so that being said i think punk worked the match knowing that joe was over like rover in the building and everybody was looking at punk as a straight up heel so right away they tapped into that and the match Mm -hmm. just flowed from there um there were so many good moments like punk trying to avoid getting grabbed by joe throughout pretty much the entire match and then when he did joe would just destroy him with like one Mm -hmm. move it was awesome the i took a couple notes on this match as i was watching it i gave it two thumbs up i thought it was really good that spot where 
I don't know if Punk like jumped over the rope or off the apron. I can't remember exactly how it transpired, but at some point, Joe's on the outside holding Punk like he's going to lift him up for a power bomb. But then he just ends up swinging him and hitting his face through the announce table. Favorite spot in the whole match. It was just that was it was great. so mm-hmm. unexpected, I think, because you like how many times have we ever seen that in pro wrestling where somebody goes through the side of the announce table? Mm-hmm. It's just it's such a cool, new, fresh idea. And then Punk comes out and he's just gushing blood and it felt deserved given the spot. Mm-hmm. So I thought the match was fantastic. The finish to me seemed kind of out of nowhere. I, like it, it was fine. Um, and frankly, I don't know how else they could have ended this. I, I know, I think we said all said punk was going over in this and we all would have been right. Um, I guess I just didn't think that much about like, well, how is he actually going to beat Joe? Um, but given how the rest of the match went down, I think it made sense, I guess. Not my favorite ending, but I'll buy it. I think Mike, uh, I do. I think what's hard for me to separate right now is just for good or for bad is what we have come to kind of understand or know may may or may not have totally occurred between he between punk and Jack Perry. And I think that I, I just think that, you know, it's hard for me now in retrospect, maybe similar to you fair or unfair for me to look at a punk match and just be like, we He's not that, he's just not that good. I mean, he's a, he is over with, you know, certain crowds. He's a great person. He's this iconic personality. But if, if even there is a, a shred of truth to what has occurred between him and Jack Perry, I just think like how selfish of a human on the, one of the greatest nights in a, in a wrestling company's history, how selfish of him to draw attention to himself and Again. to create a problem, right? And I guess at some level, you just, you know, to me, that also plays a part into the way I view his matches. And did I think this was a good match? I, 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 I would give it for me, I'd give it one thumbs up. I thought it was a very good, solid wrestling match. Um, it that told a pretty good story. It was pretty classic in terms of its, uh, in terms of the way it unfolded, but it, it again, just, it's just one of those things for me where I just, you know, I, I don't know if, if he doesn't show back up again on AEW television, I'm not going to miss him. Yeah. And totally. I, I know I just talked, but I feel like there's a lot to unpack with the whole CM Punk Jack Perry situation. So maybe we save some of it for later, but yeah, I mean, in short, it, you make a lot of good points, Gary. I, Punk is a huge draw regardless of how he works in the Mm -hmm. ring. And I think part of it is that iconic personality and just the guy can draw heat and everything he says just feels so real. Unfortunately, I think we're starting to see that a lot of what he says probably is. And yeah, like we were talking about this on the group chat, how, and I don't like to throw this word around, but the guy does feel toxic because the first Mm -hmm. time he, you know, left for six months or whatever, you really got to see like all the ugliness of AEW kind of start to unravel I really hope that doesn't happen again because the first time I think did a lot of damage that I don't know that they've fully recovered from yet. And this time, I mean, I don't know where this is going to go, but yeah, Tony Khan needs to make a hard decision at this point, I think. Um, 
you know, whether it's like, is he truly best for business? I don't know. I'm mm -hmm. guessing yes, because why else would they bother keeping him around? But if that's the case, you know, just shut up about this crap and move on then, because it's yeah. just doing nothing but hurting the reputation of the company. Yeah. Well, and who I, are you going to pair the guy up with, too? He just wrestled Samoa Joe, who, like, nobody really cares about. Like, who's he going to go up against? Who are you going to pair him with coming up here? I don't know. I'm not really interested. I, I mean, the the uh, Ricky Starks kind of feud isn't ended, really. Um, there's still that. There's still the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat kind of angle that can get thrown in there again. But, you're, yeah, I don't know. I mean, or, again... MJF for the you know the two titles, but to me it's like he doesn't deserve that. Like, don't even you know, go there. If, if that's where they're going with it, it's like if the one thing whatever happened this weekend, like no, you don't you know you don't get rewarded with a title match. I mean, no, yeah, I'm with Gary on that. It's like we don't know the whole story. We'll find out. But I heard people saying that like um, Jack Perry's more in the wrong because he provoked him. Fine, you know, shame on Jack Perry, but. You're a forty-some-year-old-ass man that's like supposed to be a professional and a leader, and if you're that easily provoked by one little like off-color line, it's like f off. It's like which you're, is you're just which was completely tame compared to right the multitude all the time. of garbage that's come out of CM Punk's mouth over so, his career, right. So he can take shots at, you know, the young bucks and all that. But man, Jungle Boy, you know, a guy in his early 20s takes a little dig at him and he has to go men melt down on, like you said, the biggest night, you know, and again, they had, you know, big night. The last time he did that was a big night for AW that was overshadowed. It's like, I'm just kind of, yeah, no, kind of like he's not worth it. No, this could be this could be a work. I hope right. so. And I hope I hope to some degree that that might be the case. This could be a work. And this is the way that, you know, CM Punk and Jungle Boy are going to figure out a way to get Jungle Boy elevated. Um, you know, I that would be pretty good. I, I would give him I'd give him I'd give him a star for that one. Uh, That'd but, be very Brian Pillman esque. Quite. Yeah. No, I really hope that's the case, because, you know, then then a. Their cheats are full of shit like they are 50% of the time. And B, that's actually a pretty cool storyline because then, you know, that's yeah. good for that's good for Jack Perry, win or lose. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we should probably keep her moving. Yep. Uh, we got to get to the Bullet Club gold match. Juice Robinson, Jay White, and Kanosuke Takesta. Whoa. <laughs> Don perfect. Callis. And Austin and Colton Gunn, who I freaking love. The music, love their look, they are freaking awesome they're gonna be mega stars in like a year and a half anyway the golden elite kenny omega koto Bushi, hangman adam page they faced off in a six-man tag match um gary and matt picked the bullet club gold i did too but i foolishly kicked out i thought i was gonna see a one-winged angel and so did steve uh we picked the golden elite and it was a weird-ass ending it was an awesome match Juice Robinson killed it once again. Um, I thought, you know, I mean, Kenny Omega, God, is he damn good. Oh, yeah. um, but this match went on for 20 minutes and it was building, building, building. And then there was like an abrupt ending that was very strange. Um, I don't I can't remember if it was like a small package or or something. But yeah, I think Kenny is the one that got pinned, too, mm -hmm. which was crazy. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I don't know, Matt. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I feel the same way as you. I, I had thought to myself that that this match was just fine. It for an elite match, it was fine. Um, I do think Kota Abushi looked way better than he did at his last appearance mm-hmm. in Blood and Guts. Um, the guy looks like he's more in shape. His kicks were stiff. A lot of different moves. He was doing some stuff with Kenny in tandem. So it was kind of cool. It was like, okay, this is the Kota Ibushi I remember. So that was really exciting to see. Um, Juice Robinson, dude, that guy shows so much ass <laughs> throughout this match. I, it's all, I, Frankly, like I, I like it. I feel like it was almost too much in this match. Like there were moments where I was like, dude, just shut the fuck up. Like I'm trying to watch this match and I just can't help but see him doing stupid shit on the side of the ring. Um, you know, like heels a good are good heel. heels. What can you do? <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, but Mike, to your point, the end of the match, uh, Takeshita rolls up Kenny in a small package and kind of, as Michael Cole would say, steals one. And it was kind of surprising. Um, I don't think it was, I don't think it cut the match short or was abrupt. It was definitely unexpected. You know, like you said, the match went on 20 minutes. So I don't think it was like, you know, oh shit, that's it. Um, personally, I think it was actually kind of well-booked and like kind of a clever ending because frankly, I didn't really care much about this match because it just seemed kind of haphazard compared to like all the other matches Kenny or some of these other guys could have done at this show. But I think it did a really good job, if nothing else, at reheating the Takeshita-Kenny feud with Don Callis um, because we haven't seen that in a while. They were doing a phenomenal job with it. It was a money feud. The elite clearly are some of the EVPs in the company and some of their storylines are the top storylines in the company. But for whatever reason, that story just kind of got dropped a while back. So this is a great way to kind of remind everyone, Hey, this is a thing. And immediately I'm back in it. So hopefully this week on dynamite, we see Kenny Takeshita, Don, like, you know, kind of go to each other's throats or whatever. If they decide to throw it on the all out card for next week. Great. Great booking. Well, they already announced Kenny Omega and Takeshita for uh, all out. Well, there you go. Perfect. Which I will be attending. I actually just bought a ticket this afternoon. I got clearance. So, yep, got a little last-minute ticket. I'll be joining Charlie riding down. I got a solo seat. But, yeah, I'll be looking at the ramp. Not breaking the tradition. I went to the first all-in. Been the every all-out since. So, yeah, it's a nice little treat to myself. Happy to go. Cool. Well-deserved. Good job. Thank you. Um, But, yeah. Good point, Matt. Um, did you guys want to make any remarks before I move on? Uh, real quick. I I mean, I, I actually really enjoyed the match. I just think everybody worked really hard in this one. They did all the hits. Um, and yeah, the ending was abrupt, but not in it. To me, it was in a made sense kind of way because mm-hmm. I, I fully expected that they were going to, you know, follow up with something at all out. Um so yeah, no, right. I like that the heels won because I think they really needed it to kind of push this thing forward. Um, and they didn't just make the night all about the you know the key faces winning. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I thought That's it right. was. I really enjoyed the match. I thought, uh, yeah, Jay White, man, that dude is just vicious. Mm-hmm. But I mean, think about Steve, where he and Abushi like we didn't like and Matt you know this better than I do because of your connection with New Japan but I mean like those guys had history and we didn't yeah you know you don't you forget like those guys were main eventing matches in Japan like yeah they, it's true and I, that is one thing just if you go up and down this card 
there are so many matches and combinations that could have main evented this card that mm-hmm. have main evented cards in the last six to 12 months. Um, it just shows some serious depth to AEW versus where WWE is at, which really only has probably four to five guys that could truly do that. But Oh, you're being generous too, Gary. I I am being, I am being generous, Uh, but there are so many matches on this card where you're like, that could have been the main event too. Like it it really could have, you know? And so, but I, I, um, uh, I'm uh, with you, Mike Uh, bullet club gold is on fire right now. One of my favorite factions right now. I just love these guys. I love their Mm -hmm. character build. I love their antics. The cutout figure of Jay white still cracks me up every time I see it. Like these guys are really not only comedic gold, but really good heel gold. Like they're really doing a good job in terms of getting people to just hate their guts. And um, I don't know. They're really, really good stuff. Two quick pointers to end this one. Uh, one, you can never go wrong with interacting with your own cutout. I know this from personal experience <laughs> because when I at my last company, there was a cutout of me like for like our department that had like a little tagline. And I was walking down the hallway by myself once and I saw my own cutout and gave myself the finger guns. And I didn't realize there was this guy behind me and he just died laughing so it's always gold <laughs> to interact with yourself and, and uh so true and, um two i i i had you know jim ross was fine last night it was nice that they gave him the call for half the show yeah but at one point he's like what's with all these gold references <laughs> it's like really yeah. jim you used to announce new japan how do you not know like it just and then excalibur politely reminded him of the golden lovers and stuff but it was like come on jim yeah, I was well, he's definitely I to see Jim sit down and be like, okay, yeah. we're going to bring in Tony Schiavone now. I was like, thank God. Yeah. Well, he yeah. he definitely comes across a little sour grapes right now. Oh, it's for weird. sure. Especially with the like, refs and stuff. It's yeah, like, I don't okay, know what the your... heck's. Yeah. I don't know what's in the water with him, but it just kind of is like, it's almost as if he's kind of like, I'm not as important as I used to be. So I got to kind of be that guy. And it's just like, ugh, he, yeah, I don't know. It, it is getting a little old. I agree. Yeah, he's definitely rusting big time mm-hmm. yep. into a hoopty. Um, <laughs> that might be a little might be a little extreme. But no, I get no Steve, I know you're a big Austin Powers guy. I thought yeah, you'd be like you're me. I'm you. We are sexy bitches. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, that's from gosh. Goldmember too, so it would be another yes. good uh yeah, gold reference. Was... <laughs> perfectly done what's this gold reference you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> i'm your faja all right cool let's get her go into the next match here because yeah that that ending was kind of weird but to follow it up all would be forgiven if the fans were pissed because it was ftr dax harwood and cash wheeler the current tag team champions versus the young bucks matt jackson and nick jackson this is like the dream tag team you know, fantasy match that you want to see. Um, and it was awesome. 20, uh, 21 minutes these guys got put on a hell of a show. It was nice oh, and yeah. snug. It was everything mm. that uh, Young Buck FTR match could be. Uh, we all picked FTR except for Matt. Uh, mm. He went out on a limb with the Young Bucks. You know, I respect the pick, but yeah, just everything's clicking for FTR and we're just living in their world right now. 
So uh, what did you boys think of this one? Steve, You did you get to see this one? I sure did. I thought it was outstanding. I mean, it's hard, you know, when they hype these things like this and this is not their first time wrestling, they still find ways to make it really um, unique. I mean... I don't know what else to say about that. It's just, it's it, like, it just was great. And I mean, there's a lot of near falls and like kicking out of each other's finishers, using mm-hmm. each other's finishers. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. It was, it delivered, the crowd just was eating up every second of it as they should. Um, I loved, um, God, so many moments I thought they were like, they actually got, I love when you can, even us hardened wrestling fans, like when you think you kind of know how it's going to go down, but they still almost get you with near falls. And there was probably three, four of those where I thought, oh, crap, like the Young Bucks are actually going to win this. And then they didn't. So, I mean, my wife was kind of bemused by the fact that I was like yelling at the television in a good way, like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. Like I was, I was probably more engaged in the ins and outs of this match than any other match because they just hooked me. It was so great. And um I love the ending because, you know, it would have been too touchy-feely, too goody if uh, if the Young Bucks would have hugged him or congratulated him. But it kind of shows you that this battle is not over. And like Excalibur said, as long as those guys are alive, they're gonna there's still mm-hmm. going to be juice left in this feud. That first kick out of the Shatter Machine, mm-hmm. dude, that was my, my first pop of the show. Um, just because I don't know if any other tag team has done that. So it was really unexpected. AEW, for the most part, does a pretty good job of protecting finishers until they, it really matters. Right. Right. And I there's think another one it, of those today that, that we'll get to, but yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Definitely. It, it, and, and in hindsight, of course, this show being what it was, it made all the sense in the world to go that way, especially this also being the third match between the two teams, just great, great layout of the match. Um, there was other finisher kickouts throughout this too. I mean, every time it was just like, Holy shit, what else can these guys possibly do? And then the match ended and I was like, oh yeah, I mean, our FTR wins. Uh, frankly, I know I picked the Bucks to win. It could have gone either way. That was a, it was a total crapshoot, I think, um, especially with the way the match ended. Like you said, Steve, you know, FTR going to shake their hands, Bucks just not doing it, just leaving the ring. It was a great way to end it. Um, the hugging, it, at that point, it's like, well, okay, now what? You know, where do we go from here? But with the handshake being refused you know you at least know there's there could be something down the road they don't have to go through with it right away no nor should they right but it could be a this isn't over we'll see you down the road thing um overall i thought it was a really good match i mean what more can you say about it Uh, not much more other than uh really other than ftr just continues to impress um when the light is on like and whether it's a pay-per-view or even a saturday collision like ftr really puts a lot into their matches they jam pack that 20 minutes 15 minute whatever it is or in some cases as long as 59 minutes of a match uh they they just do a masterful job of creating a just a compelling story and i can't i really honestly can't remember the last time i watched an ftr match and wasn't just captivated by what i was what i was seeing um and the 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 roller coaster of emotions they take you on they're brilliant brilliant um and masterful storytellers uh, obviously they must have had an agent um, and the bucks are no 
no joke either. They also do a really good job. I thought, especially all the different, you know, swer- not swerves in the matches, but also just, yeah, you guys mentioned, but a lot of the intertwining of using each other's finishers and things that you didn't like, even, you know, the kiss on the cheek that I didn't even put together at first. Then all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, there was that connection. So I, you know, just really masterful. And, and, um, I'm really feel lucky that, um, that FTR is wrestling at a time when I'm prime in my wrestling watching ability because they truly are a lot like, the horsemen of and the midnight express and the rock and roll express of the day that Steve and I grew up in, because those were also very masterful stories and uh, they do. They're just phenomenal. Great homage to that, to that. And yet very current. Um, I think back to the very first time NXT came to Milwaukee and FTR, uh, the revival was on the show and is it Dax? I think uh, the bald guy, um, I was right at the like right where they were coming down and I was clapping them. They're the bad guys, but I loved them. And he gave me one of those chin chug things where he like, you know, like he was like tensing at me, like he was going to go after me. <laughs> and to think then how I was like, of course, anytime a wrestler interacts with you, you're over the moon. But to think then where they are now, oh, uh, it's yeah. just so cool to see a team like that, like hard work and just like just being an honest to God, all those things you said to see where they've come mm-hmm. is just so amazing. Like, and, and, and as a, you know, day one NXT watcher to, to be there pretty much for their whole, those of us that watch them to see them where they started and where they are now is just awesome. Mm-hmm. So well-deserved. He might've been trying to big league you, uh, for you pulling off the bald head facial hair. Look, I think better he was than him. Yeah. <laughs> he I might have inspired. Thir- him I might be the third member up. of FTR. Jealousy. Yeah. I could be. Jealousy. I could be like, what's his name? Uh, Car- uh, what the hell's the uh, hype man? Alex ever? Alex. I get, I'll just like they'll come down looking all serious, <laughs> and I'll just be bouncing around like a like a wild man acting like you know the modern day Jimmy Hart for him. That's what they need. Yeah, man, they pull it off good. I mean, yeah, they baby. got everything clicking right now. So. We have the stadium stampede match after Speak, all this, too. Speaking of Alex Aberhantes. That's right. Right. Who I who I in the group chat said I would give anything to see him go plummeting through a table or something, but that never happened. So sad. <laughs> At least he doesn't look like Count Chocolate any, anymore. I'm okay with that. That was just the weirdest little time with him. Uh, but so Eddie Kingston, Penta, El Zero Mero. Best Friends and Orange Cassidy teamed up against the Blackpool Combat Club. That was John Moxley, Claudio, Wheeler Yuta, Mike. Wait, Mike Santana? That's his name is Mike Santana? I do believe they did call him like by his first name for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I... Really? What the fuck? It kind of okay. demystifies it, it a little bit, doesn't it? It, it does. Kevin hey. Ortiz and... <laughs> Hey, there's all the great ones out there. Mike Tyson, Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson, Mike Bate, Mike Santana, Michael yeah. Wardlow. Michael God rest Wardlow his soul in his yeah. career. I know. Fuck. Anyway. Um, yeah, Stadium Stampede match, man. We all picked the Blackpool Combat Club, Matt, Mike, Steve, except for one. It was Gary Williams who picked the team of Eddie Kingston donning a Patrick Ewing jersey, which was pretty cool, I thought. Um, okay, so stadium stampede matches, 
I think are great just because of the sheer chaos and just what could happen. You know, you just sit back and relax, kind of. Not with this match. It was very uh, cringy at times. I mean, mm-hmm. pretty much the spot that stole the show of the night was, I mean, I'm not a deathmatch guy. I've said it a million times on this show, so I don't know if this is widely popular or used. But when the skewers came out, wooden mm. shish kebabs, uh, fuck. I even said mm. on the group chat, I was like, I really hope there's some kind of pin cushion in the top of John Moxley's head because I did not appreciate seeing, mm. you know, four dozen wooden pointy sticks sticking in that guy's head. And it looks so good on TV, regardless of my mm-hmm. feelings of it. It looked perfect the way that they just spread out kind of like a porcupine, just <laughs> get, getting an animal. And there's just mm-hmm. porcupine spikes sticking out of someone's face. It, it looked just like that. It was freaking crazy. Or it looked like our truths hair. Um, it spread perfectly <laughs> and they just stayed in his head. It was insane. It was. Oh, see man. What happened. So, I'll never forget that. Okay, so for our listeners out there, uh, Mike mentioned this at the beginning of the show that uh, Steve and I ended up watching this later on in the day, which we did. And when I got home, I was out doing stuff during the day. I get home, I have 99 unread text messages. Yeah, from this yeah same here. And I look and I just send it back to them and I'm like, I'm not reading any of this. I'm just going to watch the show. And Charlie was on the thread and he's like, yeah, don't read it. It's a great show. Um, I did actually, though, at one point earlier in the day, see one text that said Moxley is the king of the death match. And then another text that said, wow. And I was so happy to see that because it didn't give away. Like, I never would have guessed this would it was going to happen in this match. And my God, I so my wife Becky's sitting there as she always does. She's I'm very lucky to be married to someone who like puts up with this. Cause I was She's sitting great. there watching this match unfold and Penta gets the skewers from Moxley and puts them on his head. And when he takes his other hand and starts pounding them into his head, mm. oh. I, I, I cringed a little bit and, and then, you know, I'll cringe at like glass and light tubes, like stuff like that, where it's just like, Oh, cause you can kind of almost imagine what it might feel like. Right. But man, when Moxley stands up and those things are stuck in his head, uh, it was the most I've ever cringed at any hardcore spot I've ever seen. And I mean, at this mm-hmm. point, you know, you watch AEW, you've pretty much seen it all. And it's funny because Tony Schiavone right away was like, now I've seen it all. Like immediately, mm-hmm. that's all he could say is like, now I've seen it all. So I, I, this was a great match overall. I mean, there's a ton of good spots. I don't even know what else there is to talk about in it though. I mean, Sue with the cookies, like, okay, fine. That was cool. Um, he had to do the Sue thing. Yeah. Sue was great. I really wish they would have gotten a better camera shot of Sue, frankly, because Moxley going after her in the van was kind of like something I really (laughs) wanted to see. But you know, that aside, dude, yeah, Mike, you nailed it. This stole the show for me. I, I gotta tell you guys, there were, there's one there is an aspect of realism to wrestling that has always gotten me to some extent and i always you know like i don't know what it is about when the baby face is just getting pummeled and it feels so uncomfortable i felt that way mike you mentioned this i felt that way a couple times when i think it was orange cassidy was just in in um he was just getting 
just brutalized. And I was like, literally, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, I know I I'm trying to like say to myself, okay, remember you just, you know, they're just, you're suspending realism, but they, you know, and Trent Beretta, like they just pounded those guys. And I just think to myself, like, gosh, like there were just so many times in that match where Mike, you hit it on the head for me too, where I literally cringed. Like I was like, holy cow, which just is, as much as I may or may not like or dislike, I don't even know what to say about some of that stuff. But the thought that those guys did all that to entertain me, I you just got to give it to them. Like, you know, right. my brother's made, my brother's a big wrestling fan. And, uh, and uh, you know, Steve, I don't know if you remember, or I don't know if you were on that thread with my brother, but he said something to me where he's just like, I don't understand why these AEW guys put themselves through this, and, you know, and, and, and in essence, shortened their lifespan. And I just said, to, I, I said, Dan, it is comes down to one thing and one thing only the difference between entertainment professional wrestling like and that's the end of the story like the guys in the wwe are always going to play it safe because it's about entertainment and pg but these guys are real wrestlers like they're they're just throwbacks and this is what they love doing and you know i'm sure for some of them if it means it's going to be a shorter end it's going to be what it's going to be but boy i i tip my hat to all those guys uh because i'll even give it to orange cassidy i he was he really like i've really like i've been down on that dude and i i've kind of run you know i have my moments with him but his toughness was huge when i mentioned uh a few weeks back after we saw blood and guts how i wish it wasn't like the studs in there like kenny omega the young bucks Mm -hmm. uh like that perfect like this is the roster of people that you want to see in blood and guts that raise your respect for the people and maybe it was good that it didn't happen at blood and guts and they gave them this opportunity Mm -hmm. on this big a stage in front of all these people uh because that's where their stock really got raised and you're right gary orange literally there's no juice left in that guy they squeezed the shit out of him yeah and uh he really took his lumps i hope he's doing (laughs) Okay, but yeah, I mean, even for Moxley, like, like I said, I'll never forget that spot as long as I live. Mm -hmm. And because he is the king of hardcore, basically in AEW, and I mean, he's up there. Um, he's a crazy bastard. Just Uh, once he had to elevate it like that. Yeah. One side note, um, on the Jericho podcast, uh, Trent Beretta was on, and it was an awesome interview. Like I. I didn't realize the depth of his experience, like, cause you, you've only kind of seen him kind of really come into his own here, but from NXT to work in Japan and everything that he was doing, I mean, he was, he was like literally in big matches with Osprey and Jericho and all those guys in Japan, which is crazy, you know, to think about. Uh, but he had a great interview. Um, and it just gave me some renewed respect because one of the things he kept saying is just how much he loves being in these matches in a match like that, because he's with Moxley and Cesaro and, um, 
and you know different some of these different talents um and it just shows you the depth of the respect they have for each other which makes that magic that much better because they trust each other they're with each other and then they tell this really cool story steve you have any closing remarks on this one um no honestly no i guess i don't need to talk about the match you guys did a great job with that but uh, i think I'm really happy for the best friends and Orange and obviously Eddie because um, it felt like as great as the best friends are, they feel like they've just kind of been directionless for a long time. And to have them win on this stage and, you know, do all the hit and, you know, even like um, um, long time coming Chuck, for that group. Chuck yep. doing that move that I guess, they, you know, they showed they, they showed a video on Twitter of him doing it to um ricochet like 13 years ago that like spinning power bomb thing he did near the end um just to see that guy at this point in his career do that with to, to perfection and trent for all the things you said i don't know i was just i was just really happy to be wrong about that one because those guys are awesome yeah. and i love I, yeah those are good it was just yeah that was a really fun match yeah they're really good hands and trent beretta talked about that on the podcast but how he and Chuck have have really been good hands. I mean, and and yeah. Jericho Jericho acknowledged it on the podcast, just talking about how he, you know, like, yeah, you're right. You guys don't win a lot. And Trent's like, yeah, but we're with some amazing guys, and we get to do some amazing things. And you know, again, it just gets you some appreciation. But Mike, you're you um you make a, an amazing point. It really good to see those guys come out on top, and good for me too. <laughs> totally yeah i mean these so you remember like when survivor series was just fun yeah nice because mm-hmm. you just saw the yeah. mid car guys get being like these odd combinations and then yeah. like you just saw them on screen we don't have like the streaming or anything back then it's like hey when these guys are on you pay attention and then you get to fall in love with them so i i like this i like these odd couple groups mm-hmm. in these yeah. types of matches and this was really well done yeah with some crazy ass spots so i thought this you one know, was yeah. great and one last thing real quick um i love that this whole show one of the biggest shows ever biggest crowd ever was pretty much tag team and team matches and yep. for all the things you just said and like you know, we were watching um, Collision at my house. My in-laws were over, and my my brother-in-law doesn't watch wrestling really closely, but when it's on, he'll enjoy it. But he's like, "Wow, is it is like AEW's thing teams?" And I'm like, "Yeah, they got like the best tag teams in the uh, and they've mm-hmm. just made they they got a trios division and they've just made it important so that they can pull off a pay per view." If WWE tried a pay per view of all team trios and four man and like whatever matches, it would just feel inconsequential because mm-hmm. they just don't put importance on tag teams. Yep. Well said. Absolutely. So we got to get to the four-way match for the AEW women's world championship. Soraya, Tony storm, Sheeta, and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. <laughs> uh, this is when my fantasy football draft kind of kicked in and I kind of missed all of it. Uh, mm. It was only eight minutes and 50 seconds, but we were all correct that Soraya was going to win. Uh, and she is now your AEW women's world champion, which is pretty cool, I'd say. Yeah. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How was the match, boys, though? What, do you got anything? Yeah, I can start this one. Um, It was fun, you know, for what it was. And I think it was, you know, the match itself is never going to win Meltzer Awards. But 
they told a fun story. I mean, Brit, almost the odd person out on this, but she still got her, you know, crowd popping things. Sheeta did her thing and, you know, got a good reaction like she always does. But the story was the outcasts and it was it was just entertaining and fun. I mean, I hate the outcasts. I bitch about them every week. But the you know, and this is just a testament to Soraya really plays her character well, like the outrage when like Tony Storm was doing things. I, I was I was cracking up for half yep. this match because this it was guy. well acted and well played and it. Like, you know, and then when. Tony Storm accidentally hit Soraya's mom. I popped loud because yeah. it was just so great. And, and really, Tony Storm didn't do anything on purpose the entire match. Everything was an accident, but Soraya's just getting madder and madder. And then they, they have the meltdown. And I don't know. I thought, like, disappointing maybe that the women got eight minutes, but they maximized. It was a fun match. And I think, you know, you can't. You got to be a little bit heartless to not be happy for Soraya in at her home with her whole family there. I don't know what they do from now with her title. Maybe it's the Outcasts or maybe it's uh, Mercedes. But um, I enjoyed this match. I will say it. It was it was the first time, Steve. When when I was like, okay, all the shenanigans of the Outcasts have finally come to an to an <laughs> something end. positive, and something positive came out of this, which was their implosion. Yeah, yep. This was, I think, one of the better AEW women's matches in recent memory, and not not because it was hard hitting and you know work rate or anything like that. It was just so well done from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Like all eight minutes were entertaining hugely like over delivered, like way better than I expected it to be. And it was great. You guys are totally right. It was so cathartic to see the end of the outcasts because I never liked that faction and not like how you hate heels. Like it was just like a, this is like the dumbest thing. And it was just constant and never any different. So it's good to see that hopefully start to go away. Some of the hits in the match, like Tony storm hitting Soraya's mom, that really made me jump. Cause right away I'm like, Oh, okay, I can see now where this might go. And it did. And it was great. Um, Steve, you made a great point. Britt Baker. Yeah, she really did feel like the odd one out in this match. For a minute, I thought she might win. Although I I think all the spots she did have, you can tell she, and I think this is a common problem in the women's division. They don't commit to their moves necessarily as much if they know that it's just a transition from spot to spot. You can almost see them thinking, okay, I do this. But then I'm going to do this. Um, I think she went to put the lockjaw. I want to say it was on maybe Tony. Sheeta. I can't. Oh, Sheeta. Well, she did have an extended thing with Sheeta, if that's what you mean. Yeah. With the lockjaw. Right. Because it it seemed like she couldn't like reach Sheeta's mouth. Um, But then Excalibur made up something about Sheeta kind of keeping her teeth closed so that Brick couldn't get the hand in. And it actually it actually was pretty creative that that little spot that they did the way she was torquing her neck and closing her mouth. I actually did think that I was like, I was like, oh, that's actually pretty. That's actually an effective way to get out of that move. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, And and as creative creative as that was at the same time, I still got this vibe like, yeah, this isn't going to be the end. Like, I, I feel like they're either waiting for someone to break it up. Or just something. And you could even see that little look on Britt's face, too. Like, is someone coming? Like, what What are we going to do here? Um, At least I picked up on that. Beyond that, though, 
I wouldn't change a single thing about this match. I love Soraya's entrance coming out to We Will Rock You in Wembley Stadium. Like, oh, perfect. Clever, clever move. I don't know how much money Tony Khan paid for that song, but it was worth it. So, yeah, and the pop for Soraya when she ended up winning this match. Yeah, just all around, like, huge over-delivery for what we thought this was going to be. Awesome. I'm glad it went over well. I missed that We Will Rock You, too. That's That's a cool-ass touch. But um, yeah, hopefully the fans enjoyed it. Um, we should keep it going because we got Darby Allen and Sting uh, versus Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. And oh, oh wait, I'm sorry, Mike. I... Sorry, Mike. Sorry, sorry. I do need to back up because this match contained the two best commentator lines of the night that I want to make sure we get in here. Comment one was by Tony when he was talking, when they were talking about um, Tony storm and Shivani goes uh, something to the effect of, you know, that may be, but she's whacked out of her gourd. And then the, the next best line of the night was by Nigel. When he said a dentist in England, Britt Baker, she's going to be a millionaire. And I thought yeah, those were just so classic, yes. classic lines. And Tony Schiavone's was so deadpan about, you know, something about how she was going through all her things. And he was like, yeah, that may be, but she's whacked out of her gourd. I mean, those are just two great lines. I just thought felt like I needed to give a little homage to the announced team. Okay, Mike, well, Nigel back. McGinnis must have heard my uh, ripping on the on the British <laughs> he dental. Did. He he brought it <laughs> he up. Did. He did. He brought it full circle for him. Friend of the channel. Thanks, yeah. Nigel. <laughs> All right, good stuff. So, Darby Allen Sting versus Swerve Strickland Christian Cage coffin match. We all pick Sting and Darby Allen the win, and we would be correct. Sting yet to be defeated. It's amazing. Was this an amazing match? Because again, I was kind of balls deep in my uh, fantasy football draft. It, it was a phenomenal match. Um, yeah. Joker Sting was out there, so that yes. was really interesting to see. Loved it. I never saw him during that era, so that was pretty cool. Um, I didn't love it in Impact, but I love it now. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. The intro that he and Darby did was really cool, too. Um, I won't say a ton about the match. I mean, I thought it was great. Three things I wrote down that I wanted to make sure to mention. Um, number one, which I'm sure you guys will agree with and put over to the hilt, is Prince Nana was great. Yes. Uh, number really two. Good. Uh, Swerve was incredibly over on his entrance and got mm -hmm. the whole stadium to do his whole who's house call response thing. And Sting and Darby coming out to Metallica seek and destroy got me really fired up. I, I'll, I'll, I'll just echo you. I think Prince Nana is right now. Um, he's definitely giving manager of the year run for his money uh because he's just he's got a lot of great characters he's hilarious the way he was dancing coming you know, i mean just a oh man i there i don't think that guy could do any wrong for me right now he just he does a great job and and he is now starting to get a little bit more involved in matches you know in a way that you know is not taking away from the talent in the ring but really enhancing and um, the only other thing I'd say is I don't know how in God's name Darby Allen was walking after that match. Oh my I mean, God. Those that, I mean, I don't know. It looked like to me, I haven't read anything to know one way or the other, but it looked like he was doubled over after the match because that, that drop on the coffin. I mean, 
a couple of those spots he did on the coffin were just, I mean, the thud his body took were just absolutely just mind blowing to me. I mean, he just continues to, to do that for our entertainment. I give him a lot of credit, but I wish I could tell him like, you don't need to do all this. You know, I really don't. I mean, but boy, those, he and Sting and Swerve and Christian put on a great, they they were classic, classic wrestling story too. I mean, another really well-played kind of thing. I didn't like the Nick Wayne Luchasaurus thing. I thought that was kind of stupid. Like I, it, it could have got gone either way with having that happen or not, but all in all, really, really classy, good match. Darby Allen is a uh, DDP yoga guy, so maybe that's well, what's saving it, his life right now. I hope right it now. saves his life. Cause I then... hope to God. <laughs> I mean, you, seriously, the thud, the thuds he took, it, it was just like how, how was he breathing? Like I, I couldn't even imagine. Like you know, just imagine falling on the. I, I just, I thought to myself, like if I just fell on the ground, I would be out of breath. Can you imagine? how many feet he's leaping and then landing on his back. I just was like, Oh, it's on his back. There's not even a lot of flesh to separate his entrails and bones from the inanimate objects that he puts himself in harm's way too. It's kind of gross. And as a very uh, skinny individual, similar to Darby (laughs) Allen, I can attest to that. Like I can, I bump into my, the corner of my bed in the morning and fuck, I'm winded for like 15 minutes. (laughs) Why are you bumping into your bed, Matt? Dude, I'm I'm not a morning guy. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure it's uh, not a triple H going on right there? Or? No, yeah, I'm just I'm that's just the saying, thing bumping into the bed. <laughs> hey man, come on. I'm trying to stay humble here more than anything. Oh, well, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's why Steve rips on you. He's not bumping into the bed. No. <laughs> sure ain't. Sure ain't. This is, this sure is where bro. we insert our uh, Blue Chew ad when we this, get sponsored. This sure. podcast <laughs> is brought to you by. Yeah, speaking of bumping into hard. the bed by Dick Pills. <laughs> yeah, that's right, what's bro. All these, what's all these gold references? Still with us, Jim? What's these gold references? <laughs> oh God, Jim! All right, so Let's that one on. we picked unanimously. For Sting and Darby to win. We picked this next one to be unanimous as well. It was Will Ospreay with Don Callis defeating Chris Jericho with Sammy Guevara in a singles match. And this match went on for 15 minutes. It was it was it was pretty pretty damn good. And I think Gary, oh, yeah. you called it right. Have uh Chris Jericho come out singing his own song with his band playing behind him. That would be like uh a Chris Jericho thing to do, being like literally the godfather in AEW, he's the mm-hmm. first champ. He's got the legacy behind him. He's like, hey, Tone, what if you put Fozzie on there and Wembley just like Freddie Mercury and you let old Chris Jericho sing Judas and everybody sings it with me? You think that'd be cool? Okay, Tone, thanks. It's like there wasn't even a discussion. It was like I'm I'm playing a sold-out Wembley, so that can be on Chris Jericho's we- uh, oh, wow. resume for him to stroke it, give himself his own double wristers at the end of the night, which is fine. <laughs> I mean, if you're in the position to do it, hey. go for it. And he did, and that's how you capitalize on he, opportunities. And that's why you got to respect the man. He even did the Freddie Mercury. Hey, oh, hey, yep. hey, oh. I mean, he yep. did. 
did the whole thing, but I it was I, like I, a, I will, a diorama. Wembley was. was like a diorama for Chris Jericho and his band and his all his fantasies of living out his musical dreams. Good for him. I got nothing bad to say about it. Mm-mm. Go for it. Oh yeah. <laughs> I thought uh I I will say I I I really I was watching this match thinking, boy, this could have been a main event as well. The there's a couple things. One, Osprey just continues to just show why he's just unbelievable. I mean, he he is a an amazing talent. I hope that we see him for a long time in AEW. Uh, the other thing, though, that I think was a little misplaced was Don Callis. He didn't belong out there for this match. He, you're in England. Osprey comes out, clear babyface, and then all of a sudden you got Callis. Like this would have been the time to just keep him in the back or at the not, announce table, <laughs> sure, and not give mixed messages. It that was just a an odd odd kind of miss on their part i think i i think we all get it that osprey is a heel under normal circumstances but not here and no 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 one in their right mind was going to believe osprey was going to get booed in his home country like that so i did i did think that was kind of a miss book on their part yeah no i i don't i mean i don't have a lot to say the match delivered to me i think Jericho, you Agreed. never know Agreed. for sure what you're going to get because he's old, but he <laughs> he looked good and inspired and he did he all did. the hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the other one I wanted to bring up to a point Matt made earlier. I, I think it's happened before that I'm not remembering, but once or twice someone has survived Judas effect. They've for a spinning elbow. They have protected the hell out of that move mm-hmm. from day one and Osprey kicking out of it was like that's why you protect finishers to make moments like that yep. matter, mm-hmm. and it was good. And, and the right person went over. Jericho has a history in his career of like when the time comes, puts the right person over. And um, yeah, hey, that was, that was probably the purpose. deal. That was probably the deal to get the Freddie Mercury and the Fozzie okay. thing. Be like, listen, it, it's either one or the other. Mike, as soon as it happened, the first thought in my in my brain was he's losing. <laughs> because yeah, like he exactly. you know they get I mean, and not to be a mark or anything but i mean like i was like okay this is a good trade-off you know you let the guy have the start mm-hmm. of the match and you got the other guy's gonna have the end i mean it, but but i did think it was pretty classy pretty awesome move and uh it it you know sadly and we'll probably speak about the sadness later on but there was an artist that wasn't there that should have been but we'll, we'll worry about that later yeah, 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 that was unfortunate. Um, Mike, I love your Chris Jericho impression because yes, he totally calls Tony Khan tone. I could see that uh, for sure. Did I say tone? For sure. You did for sure. Yeah, and it, it was spot on. It just for it just sure. came. Yeah, it just came. Out. T- I get it. Come on, tone. Come on, tone. Yeah. Uh, Will Osprey is one of the best, if not the best, in the world. And it's funny oh. because I used to hear oh. that, and I would see his matches, and I mean, the guy is like human contortionist acrobat it's incredible but even beyond that like his expressions his timing his body language Ugh. too like the way he his whole attitude in between moves is just spot on mm-hmm. and he doesn't have to constantly be doing flips or high flying moves either i mean the guy can do it all um you know we saw a lot of and, with jericho 
and I add think, a stepchild in there to provide for it yeah. too, Matt. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah. So that's going to give him a little, a little more little on extra, the line, a little extra bump. Yeah. Um, last thing I'll say, uh, I do feel like there were a few moments in this match where Jericho could not keep up. Um, but I think for the most part, he exceeded my expectations given how different these two are. So overall though, yeah, you guys said it easily could have been the main event. I'm glad it wasn't, but great match. Mm-hmm. Totally. And we're getting close to the main event. And this one set up the main event. It was Billy Gunn and the acclaimed versus the House of Black, the AEW trios champions. And we've had a title change here, boys. Billy Gunn and the acclaimed take it over House of Black. Good for them. I I thought the rap, I was kind of really expecting something big from the acclaimed in the rap. And I thought it was a CSC, like so-so. I thought Steve's rap was way better last week. Go back sure and check was. it out if Gosh. you didn't check out 140. Um, it was something all right. House of Black, their outfits, they look great. I mean, House of Black is a tight-ass team. Plus, you have Julia in there. She's hot. Oh, yeah. And she pulls mm-hmm. off the, um, you know, the dark princess pretty well in this team. I mean, just some big bruisers. I mean, you just see how big these guys are on this big stage against little guys kind of like Anthony Bones and Matt Caster. I mean, Bones is kind of big, but nothing compared to like this trio. Billy Gunn's a hoss, uh, but he's the only guy that could stack up against them. But hey, Billy Gunn and the acclaim win over the house of black and i don't know if we've been uh keeping score with the picks lately uh we all did predict osprey would win over jericho by the way last match but um the acclaim was only picked no excuse me matt picked the acclaimed and also gary picked the acclaim it was me and steve that went with house of black so uh really did i had to yeah oh yeah you did that doesn't seem like something i would do you I, I must have made a great argument that sold you. You must have, because it seemed like it was all set up for Billy Gunn. That's likely the case, because I remember after that episode hanging up going, I was just pissed at myself. I'm like, what the hell kind of card did I pick? But now I'm feeling pretty good. So, mm-hmm. yeah. They, sorry, Mike, you were saying. Yeah. Well, Matt, when you saw this come over the wire and you saw the one, two, three, what did you think for all Billy Gunn? Oh, man. Oh, good old Billy Gunn. The badass, not daddy ass. This was, I really like this match. And I mean, you just said it. House of Black's gear when they came out in all white and not black. Oof. And don't forget the nicest touch of them all. The lantern. Yes. The lantern. The shout out to Bray Wyatt was amazing. Yeah. I picked up on that when they did that. And then I got to give a hand to Excalibur. Like he, it -hmm. seemed like for a minute he was kind of like, making reference to Bray Wyatt without saying his name. He's like, should should I say his name? And then he did say it. So, yeah. you know, I kind of wonder, like, was Tony Khan in his ear? Like, y- you can say it. It's fine. Because um, I know how promotions are weird about that sometimes. But regardless, that was a nice touch. The match itself was really good. Um, there wasn't a bad match on the card. I don't think this one was as good as most others, but it was really entertaining. Um, my favorite moment of the match wasn't even the acclaimed winning it wasn't the House of Black's entrance. It wasn't Max Caster's rap. It was during the match. Um, my wife Becky actually kind of stopped, 
you know, just doing whatever she was doing and watch part of it. And when she saw the segment with the acclaimed at the end, you know, doing their scissoring gimmick and everything like that, she made a comment that blew my mind. And it was an epiphany that I'm shocked I haven't had before since watching AEW. And it was, she asked me a question. The question was, so is the acclaimed like the new day of AEW? And I think she's right. What do you guys think? Oh, Let's first comparison. of all, you remember why you married her? I do. After that comment. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Steve. Go ahead. No, I, I mean, I can see the parallel. I mean, mm-hmm. I have. I, I should stop there because I got so sick of the New Day long before anybody else did. And I feel like the acclaimed has sort of been more fresh, but yet they're also up until last night we're getting a little directionless. So um, I guess I'll just summarize it and say, no, I think that's probably the closest comparison to the new day, the NAW. Yeah. Yeah. They have a, they have a really good, just kind of um, combo of athleticism and comedic relief with, you know, also, I mean, and, and just, uh, you know, the Anthony Bowens, you know, um, LGBTQ plus community kind of rallying around him. And it's just a really cool kind of story. I mean, it's, they, they have, they weren't, they hadn't been tag team members. Tony Khan literally just put them together. They weren't aware they were going to be a tag team together and they've really, really done well. And I, I, you got to believe that their, their presence Billy Gunn's presence with them has just completely skyrocketed some of their their growth, um, both as wrestlers and as entertainers. Um, and I think that you know that's a it, she's very wise in her uh, in her um, in her in her comparisons. Becky's totally spot on because uh, even what's his name. Uh, not Biggie, Xavier Woods. Uh, yes. he was he was like uh, on Broadway, wasn't he? Like big musical theater dude. I mean, Max Caster, he can kind of like create a rap any town that he's in, and like pull it off. Like guy's super talented. The only thing that these guys, the acclaimed, don't have are those unicorn horns, but they do sell those foam fingers as the scissors. So they do have like some. Mm-hmm kitschy uh merchandise at the stand that you can get for 15 bucks right at the perfect price point i mean the thing costs a cent and you're making like 14.95 profit margin shout out tony khan good job um, nice job tone yeah tone uh yeah i would totally agree with her they are and i think you know maybe every wrestling promotion kind of needs that because it it's they break it up great if they can deliver on the matches great you know there's not a downside, I don't think. I just to I, the haters, but you got to shake the haters off. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, I would be. I. I don't think I'd be. We. Any of us would be surprised if behind the scenes that they, when they think about the things that they're doing or the, they do their own film review of other wrestlers and other gimmicks that they do have a lot of what they're doing is based off of what the new day was able to accomplish. Um, so, um, you know, well, to be honest, they'd be idiots not to, because, uh, for the most part, the new day was 
a super over successful trio mm -hmm. for a long, long time, despite Steve's, you know, concerns about them unfounded. Let's let's move on. I believe there's one more match. <laughs> there was, and we were split on this one too. I believe uh, that's Tito because they booked it wrong. They did, and it was Matt and Mike who picked MJF to be victorious. Gary and Steve picked Adam Cole to be bang, victorious. Bang. But the big missed opportunity was not booking Mick Jagger to come out with sympathy. That of was the it. Devil. Oh. I mean, you had your one shot Silver. and they blew one it. shot. They used it on Chris. It's not good booking, not good booking. But the intro was kind of cool with the devil coming out on the uh, throne. Kind of nice. It was good. But overall, this story was freaking great. Mm -hmm. It had to be great because it's been leading up to something big. And I'm glad they really put a lot of effort into actually telling a great story in a in a main event with these two guys and hats off to both of them i mean yeah the match had some false finishes but the story the the refs getting injured and like you know just like the playfulness of like mjf putting the chair like around his neck and be like all right i'll play your game i'll lay down and make it look like you got disqualified and stuff like that there was just a lot of stuff in here that was just really got you hooked in and invested in this story rather than just wanting to rush to the ending to see who's going to win because it really was a coin flip but at the end of the day it was mjf that is uh your champ and um i was happy about it i thought this match was great what do you boys say i agree 100 percent. i i think this was by far the best match of the night and had some of the best storytelling of the night as well mm -hmm. um it was probably one of the most unique matches I've ever seen too, just because mm -hmm. it, there were so many different genres of wrestling. If you want to even call it that in this match, you know, you had comedy, you had seriousness, you had almost like a double turn at one point mm -hmm. where MJF is truly getting put over as the baby face and Adam Cole is going full on heel. Um, you know, like there was that spot where Cole took his shirt off kind of signifying like I'm done with this guy while he's holding oh, a the chair. pile driver. A pile driver, man. On the on the thing where MJF couldn't do it to Adam, and then Adam does it to him. Yes, that was cool. Or, I totally forgot about that. That Unreal. brain that brain buster spot was not pleasant looking. Yeah, Adam Cole crazy. took Adam Cole took the brunt of it, uh, but that was a crazy spot. Also, MJF jumping back into the ring on his back at the count of ten, like. No, yeah, just he was like, not moving. He, he was not moving, and then just pops right up and flies back into the ring in like the weirdest way I've ever seen. Too. <laughs> um, the last thing I'll say, I, I think I love this match so much because every single moment of the match, it felt like it mattered. It wasn't like they were right. just doing moves for the sake of doing moves. And I think we get that way too much. I mean, I mean, I get it. You know, wrestlers are going to wrestle, but these guys thought about every single moment mm -hmm. in this entire match and they executed it so perfectly um yeah i mean what it was awesome like i'm i'm kind of at a loss for words on some of it except for everything i've said but yeah it's just phenomenal what a, what a great main event yeah it was 
again, it harkened back to some of the really classic Ric Flair matches back in the day where it just, there were so many ups and downs and lefts and rights that you just didn't see. Um, you, you knew, you just kept anticipating things to happen that they still haven't uh, unfolded, which is great. I would slow play this as long as humanly possible if I'm in their shoes. Um, I think if anything, they're probably, you know, they are going off of some of the momentum from the bloodline, but not, it's just different in that way, right? Where this is just a really well orchestrated kind of story. Um, I can't wait to kind of see what happens, but I, I, for me, the one thing that just, this really buttons up for me is just, these guys have to be just ecstatic about the work that they're doing and you can just feel how from top to bottom on this card so many of these guys are doing some of the best work in their careers and it shows that they're in an environment where they can be creative and be who they are and and you know and do goofy things script unscripted things just real raw uh, genuine wrestling and entertainment and in a way that's just really working right now and um and yeah i mean that this was for me as close to a five-star match as i've seen in you know, first singles match in a while right? yeah totally agree and and Steve, I know you got a couple of thoughts to share, but one other thing I did want to mention, because Mike, I I know you'll appreciate this. Adam Cole's looking cut. Like that guy's mm. getting in shape hanging out with MJF. You can tell those guys are like sharing gym tips. And if you think back, one of MJF's original insults was mocking Adam Cole's physique. Mm-hmm. And even as part yeah. of the storyline, I think this is super low key. But it's, I mean, it's not when you're these guys, but for, as a fan, it is, I think. Like, Adam Cole is putting the work in in the gym. How long was well, he? He was out for a while. And, and you know, year? it's, yeah, yeah, it's good to see. I mean, you know, we talked about this with uh, Kenny Omega, you know, months and months ago when he first came back. You know, it wasn't, It's it can't be easy for those guys. And Adam Cole really is, I think, this last you know yesterday's match was the first time where i was like okay he's he's kind of back to form and it's great to see him back where he needs to be well he's ordering steak at the outback steakhouse too shout out shout out outback steakhouse kangaroo kick it's hard to top what you guys said i think yeah it's next to perfection i mean you're right i mean matt said it there's matches where everybody gets their hits in and it's like, you can kind of tell they're almost going through a script, but this one told a story beginning to end that had everybody eating out of their palms. And it's just, it's some of the most masterful wrestling storytelling I've heard. I've seen in years and credit to AEW. Some people are critical of that. They don't, they don't tell stories as good as the WWE. This is proves that's bullshit. They they're fully capable. And this is like now, now may well be the best story in wrestling. I think, you know, the bloodline story has been for a long time, but even that's starting to get long in the tooth. This is this is some of the best shit going on in the in wrestling right now. And I love that we don't really even know where they're headed, which is the best thing you can say about a story. Yep. Adam Cole does rise to main event occasions 
all of his main events that he did in NXT, like We're Gargano in the mm-hmm. WrestleMania takeover in that best two out of three falls or whatever it was, the guy delivers in big moments. Mm-hmm. And he's been around for a while. Yeah, MJF well looks up to him, and MJF is the guy that's the best like in the world. Yeah, Will Ospreay is like the best, but nobody touches MJF when it comes to pretty much all around there's stats in his overall uh categories that i think average out better to maybe anybody out there i mean yeah his my skills are 11 out of 10 so he'll definitely uh kill the curve in certain areas but mjf when it comes to i mean the guy probably hasn't slept in a month if he knew that he was main eventing at the biggest wrestling show for ever, like in the history of the existence of the business and he's 26 or however old he is, 25 years old. Like what the fuck was I doing at 25? Mm. I don't know. It, I don't know if you guys watch the media scrums after, um, AEW pay-per-views. They're really good actually. Um, and really, I really enjoy them. This was the first time where MJF, um in his media scrum he's typically um 80 to 90 percent uh work 10 percent shoot this one was almost straight down 50 50 um and in terms of his actual like character versus who he is as a person that would come out and one of the things he mentioned that it was pretty cool to see is just he's like i'm gonna take this this group i'm i'm the leader i am going to take this group on my shoulders and we're gonna go and he he's really you know in a weird he he even made reference to he's like i never thought i would like being a baby face and he's like i'm loving it he's like i just love where i'm at right now and it was just really really good and it was cool because that is the first time i really felt like he's actually Yes, he's only 25, Mike, to your point, but he's acted like a 10-year-old some, sometimes, not like CM mm-hmm. Punk, but he has the tendency to act, you know, a little bit. But this was the first time where I'm like, oh my gosh, his maturity is really starting to develop as well. Um, but it, they're they're really cool to watch those scrum media scrums. I think they do AEW, you know, and WWE's mimicking them now, but those are more scripted and not as much of a um uh of a shoot as air works for them but AEW does a great job with them yep they sure do well top to bottom i would give this show you know in the a in the a range i give it Mm -hmm. you know a a minus at the very least could could be an a i thought everybody stepped up to the occasion nobody embarrassed the company except for cm punk afterwards um (laughs) so shit you know but we're not going to factor that in i give it high praise i really enjoyed this Mm pay-per-view so we got to get to the results here uh gary was our last king booker so he's currently holding the title we tried our best to overthrow him. Steve didn't really get close. This is one of Steve's not greatest outings lately. He came in with a six and seven record. That's usually my record. I came in at a seven and six. So I'm not touching that. Gary basically rolled this pay-per-view up into a tightly packed doobie and smoked it. 
Uh, other than the stipulations, he almost pitched a, a no-hitter. The only one that he got wrong was the main event by picking Adam Cole. If you would have picked MJF, you would have had all the matches correct, but you need to get all the stipulations for the perfect game. So the guy basically pitched a no-hitter close to it. He only had one hit on his record. So he was at 10-4. and four. Matt, you did an excellent job with 8-6. and six. We would have tied at 7-6, and six, but because you nailed that CM, Tunk, bleh, CM Punk time stipulation, that got you up into second place. But Gary... Well done, my man. Two time, two time. You're really playing the win, aren't you, guy? You know, I I just kicked myself. We should have been on DraftKings. We should have done it. <laughs> I'm telling you, one of these days, DraftKings. Thanks for listening to the podcast and for your support. Um, but we're, you know, we're hey. we could do we could do it here in Ohio. We could you do can? it in Ohio. Oh, we should yeah. for all out, Heck dude. Yeah. No, we'll uh, we'll go in. Let's put a little moolah on it and let's try to get this money. Oh, yeah. I did pretty good. Uh, it was a free one when you did it for WrestleMania, and I tried it, and I did, you know, I was up there. But I think if there's actual money on the line, I think we would hold our own. I think we could get I a little return, we, maybe. We, we'd have to pull a wild card and, and uh, call, phone a friend. And get her a friend, Charlie, or Charlie, Charlie. in on it, you know, because. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Gary, as the two time repeating King Booker, well done, because, you know, being you. on top Thank is you. one thing. Retaining it is harder, but you did very well. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you and Matt very much. And Steve, I just enjoyed kicking your ass again. <laughs> he was very pissed right now he's not even giving him the benefit of the doubt no it's okay this is just this is the fall of the show i'm just just let this guy in here just know your role and shut your hole this will be i want to thank the listeners it's our last episode of keep the kayfabe Um, (laughs) if you want to continue with some wrestling excellence please consider the eric bischoff show Well, shit. Well, boys, yeah, we got uh, All Out coming up um, at the United Center. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see the stories develop on Wednesday night on Dynamite. We got Friday Night Rampage and Saturday Night Collision. And then we got another big pay-per-view where we do it all over again. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But, you know, congrats, Gary. And when you're the King Booker, you do these three things, right, eh? Hey, hey what are they? You got to stay humble, stay hungry, and stay hard. Triple H, don't hit the bed. Woo!